Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, And she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. For forth we beseech you, O Lord, your grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, your Son, was made known by the message of an angel, made by his passion and cross, be brought to glorious resurrection, to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good job. <laughs> I'm on the radio. I'm on the radio. Can we miss more? So that was the December 5th, 2018 episode. We had students from St. Joseph campus of Mishawaka Catholic School. Uh, so fun having their voices and the giggling at the end. Enjoyed it. Yeah. They really, yeah, they're, they're exuberance at the <laughs> yes. end. They love to pray. That's great to hear. Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop, and we are celebrating the 100th episode of Truth and Charity. Thought when we do that, let's, let's have a little bit of fun. Let's play some clips. Let's share some highlights. Uh, but also thought maybe this would be an opportunity to do something a little bit different uh, on my morning show, the Kyle Hyman Show. Every Monday at 7.15, I sit down with a priest and we, we record four episodes at a time, and it usually involves some kind of food or drink, and we call it Flavor of the Week. And we get to know our priests that way, have a little fun, have a little something that's tasty while discussing their ministry and their vocation story. thought maybe we could do a little mashup here where we'll do a Flavor of the Week with you, Bishop, for Truth and Charity. Wow, that sounds fun. Food seems to be an ongoing current in all your shows, Kyle. Hey, feasting is part of the Catholic <laughs> tradition, so and Jesus was always pulling out food and, and having a dinner with people. So true. Why not? We're trying to think of what we should do. And the first thing was olives that came to mind, but we have, we've done olives. We've done a little olive taste testing in the past. So then we're thinking, well, what else has Bishop talked about? We've done Italian food, but in the episode where we did it, would you rather one of the questions was pancakes or waffles? All right. Would you rather have pancakes or waffles? Oh, I love them both, but I'd have to say, Waffles. Okay. Do you, what do you put on your waffles? Syrup. No peanut butter or whipped cream or any No. I mean, I like to get them with some kind of, sometimes fruit topping. Strawberries? Strawberries, blueberries probably yeah. would be my favorite. Blueberries, yeah. Or waffles or pancakes with blueberries inside. Inside, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, pecans? Pecans are good, uh -huh. yep. 
Yep. No, I, you know what? I don't get breakfast much. So, like, if I'm on vacation or, you know, with my family or whatever, when we go out for breakfast, it's a real treat, yeah. you know, to get you know, pancakes or waffles and eggs or French toast, whatever it is. I mean, other than eggs, all of those are basically dessert for breakfast. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So thought we could have a little dessert for breakfast today. Uh, And so our first course, we've got four different things to try. So our first one, Miriam's bringing in here. Waffles with blueberry topping. So, Oh my goodness. Wow. It looks like something in thank between. You. Ooh, yes, thank you. Oh, that looks great. And then there's syrup and oh, and I think butter. butter. Oh, thank you, Miriam. Wow, I wish you would have told me this. I wouldn't have had any breakfast this morning. Well, consider it an early lunch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Are you gonna try some toppings? Sure. I'll try the blueberry. It looks somewhere Doesn't between that look good? a. A jelly and a syrup and just tiny blueberries. And blueberries are very good for you. Oh, well, then. Someone told me I got a haircut yesterday and we were talking about (laughs) dementia. Uh Uh-huh. Because I don't know why we were talking about dementia. I think the barber had someone who in their family. So the barber was telling me that blueberries are good for you and help prevent uh, dementia. And since I forget things easily i said i'm gonna have to eat more blueberries <laughs> well there you go pile, <laughs> pile it high yeah join you as well oh you, this is delicious are you you're just gonna do the blueberry no syrup well i'm gonna try it just oh, with the blueberries okay first. That's, that's probably smart so it doesn't mess up the taste uh-huh <laughs> that's good i don't need syrup oh well good we have some fun plates here. I do BBQ. Are do, we still on the air? Because I don't want to be chewing on the air. Oh, people People like to know that you're really eating it. It's, <laughs> it makes it more authentic. So do you ever make waffles yourself? Um, yeah, I just, well, actually not, not from scratch. I just like buy the box <laughs> ones and put them in the toaster. There you go. <laughs> How do these compare to the toaster ones? These are much better. <laughs> Are these homemade? Uh, they came from a local restaurant. Okay. So speaking of food, I mentioned Italian food. One of my favorite memories from the past 99 episodes of Truth and Charity was when we had a special guest bring in a special meal for you. This was like an epiphany, like surprise and gift. All right. Well, Bishop, we have a special surprise for you. If you'll remember back to our episode that we did around the Feast of St. Nicholas, one of the kids asked what your favorite foods was. Do you remember what your answer was? Was it olives? Well, no, Italian food. Yeah. Mediterranean food. So specifically, I think you mentioned a spaghetti carbonara made with oh, egg. Oh, I do. And not carbonara cream. is the top pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Alex Fiato is here. He's the owner and head chef of the Italian Connection restaurant here in Fort Wayne. I've been and there. And he has prepared for you a special dish. Oh my goodness. Here. Alex, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Good to, good to be with you, Bishop. Buon Natale. I tell you, I've got some, uh, I don't know if you're in the mood, but I brought a little vino if you'd like. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh. I, I made you the uh, pancetta or carbonara. Authentic. Authentic. 
Oh my goodness! Yeah, for the staff, I made some uh, bolognese uh, sauce, actually chicken riggies. That is oh, great! Boy. What a big surprise! Go way back, Bishop. We, Grazie. Uh, I remember. And the Eagles. I know. <laughs> Actually, we are the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> great restaurant, and and such. A, it reminds me of Rome. Yeah. You know, homemade stuff. Yeah. Very homemade. Nobody does it delicious. Yeah. Wow. This is a great surprise. Well, Thank you. I'll oh. get this stuff ready and then you guys can. Oh, what a yeah, nice we'll, surprise. We'll Thank you. Uh, Good do you mind, I don't know. Do you mind if we get a little bit of twine? Or? No, that's fine. No, <laughs> sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Thank I'm not you. saying we're going to download. All right. Well, also, another memorable food moment of the show was the April 24th, 2019 episode. This uh, was. Not about your favorite food, but about your least favorite food. Mm. Somebody asked, what is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? I would probably say snails. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I've eaten some different weird stuff. Actually, you know, I love seafood, so I'll eat anything, all kinds of, you know, I love things like clams and oysters and crabs and lobster, all that. Uh-huh. But I don't know that that's really weird, but uh, snails are weird. Calamari? Oh, I love calamari. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I like it fried or just uh, fresh, raw calamari too, as long as it's, you know, well-seasoned and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Calamari is delicious. You know, I just thought of something. When I was a deacon, I served as a deacon in Spain for two months. And I lived with priests. They were all retired priests, elderly men. And one day, and I didn't know much Spanish at that point. I was just learning. They were all excited because at dinner, they were having some special meal. Uh And it was tripa de caballo. Now, I didn't know what that meant at Uh that time. But... Now I know it was horse tripe. Uh-huh. Well, that's the one thing I can't stand is tripe. In Rome, that tripe was a popular dish too, but uh-huh. it'd be, I guess, the insides of cows or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what animals, lamb, but I can't, I, even the texture of things like, or like a tongue. Oh, I uh, did have tongue too. Yeah. That was just disgusting. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, stomachs and uh-huh. all that stuff. It's just, oh my goodness, it just turns my stomach. So anyhow, these priests are all excited and a lot of them didn't have teeth anymore and they're, <laughs> and they're they're enjoying this and i yeah. tried it not knowing what it was and just the texture turned my stomach yeah and then when i found out what it was the insides <laughs> of a horse right. oh my goodness i it was disgusting uh-huh. so that really was the that weirdest. takes, that that, takes that's the cake. W- more weird than than uh, snails Snail. yeah yeah all right so we have for you today some breakfast tripe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, actually, coming up next, we have some pecan pancakes. So I shouldn't have eaten all those waffles. Oh, we've, we've still got three more courses, Bishop. Oh, then I'll just have to taste. One of the things that I usually do whenever I sit down with the priest, the, the first part is kind of a vocational story, uh, their discernment story. And we've talked about this in the past, but... Anything that stands out to you as a, a big influence or transition in your time of discernment and your vocational story, your faith journey? You mean after I was already 
in the seminary? Either way. Either way. Oh, okay. Part of your, your path to where you are today. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the, the initial discernment that was really extremely important of grace-filled time. I think I've shared on the show, I was praying at the Grotto of Our Lady of Lords at Mount St. Mary's when I heard the call. So I believe the Blessed Mother had a hand mm-hmm. in my saying yes to the call to the priesthood. Uh, that was very beautiful. I'd say another big turning point was when I finished two years of the seminary in the United States and was sent to Rome for theology, that was important. I mean, first of all, I was leaving everybody. I was leaving family and friends. I didn't know anybody. So I, I flew over. It was the first time I was ever on a flight. I'd never huh. been in an airplane before. But one thing that was very powerful was I did know someone, you know, Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So <laughs> that was where peace came when I would go and pray. And that was the one friend that was still with me. And so that was that was a very beautiful transition point. I would say also as a student that just the many and varied experiences I had making friends with people from different countries, other seminarians from other countries of the world, that was very broadening. And then, you know, having the opportunity to serve as a deacon in Spain, that was very enjoyable and not only learning Spanish, but learning these different cultures finding my relatives in Greece. So yeah, there's just so many great memories over there. And then, of course, the transition then to come home to be ordained. I was ordained in July 1983 and began parish ministry in York, Pennsylvania. And that was a great two years. And then I was sent back to Rome for three more years of study. So really, I, when I think about those years, I was, you know, it was, it was very full. All right, well, coming up, we have another breakfast item to try and more highlights in this special 100th episode of Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity, and welcome back to part two of our Flavor of the Week with Bishop Rhodes. And we're trying some breakfast items. We've had the blueberry on topping on waffles and now we're going to try some pecan pancakes what do you usually have for breakfast bishop usually a bowl of cereal or i just don't have it uh-huh. uh i know you're supposed to it's the most important meal of the day but they say it depends on you know if i'm not hungry i just don't need it uh thank Ooh. you Miriam. oh wow that looks good are they pecans or walnuts pecans. oh okay they pecans, look like walnuts apparently. yeah that's great yeah but I always have two cups of coffee in the morning. That's uh-huh. that's that, always that's a given. Yeah, that's yeah. a given. Do you just make it in a coffee maker, or do you? Yeah, one of the grind the machines. Beans? Okay. Yeah. How often do you get recognized in public places, like a grocery store, or a restaurant, or a shoe store, or a licensed branch? Um, I'd say pretty often. Uh-huh. Um, Does it ever get it, annoying? People? No, I mean I, I'm you? not annoyed. It's just that sometimes I'm on a tight schedule. Oh yeah. And I have to buy something, and if I get stopped, um, could make me late for something. So that's the only thing. Yeah. yeah. Do people want to take pictures with you? Or no, usually that there. No, no, or, no. That's usually at parishes, but not when I'm out. Uh, rarely would that happen. Yeah. But I do my own grocery shopping. So, uh, and I, I kind of like that. I mean, it's a little diversion. I can pick things that I, I want. How how often is it like a weekly? when I need it when the refrigerator is empty. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't have any set set time, uh, and I don't even have a set place. It's just if I'm driving and I see a supermarket, I'll pull over and get something. And you live by yourself. There's no other priests with you. And right, I live at the St. Mary's Parish Rectory by myself. Okay. 
All right. Well, have you tried the uh, pecan pancake here yet? No. Let me get a mouthful here. I'm a couple bites in. And I find it delicious. There's not really a breakfast item that I don't like, though. Mm, it is very good. But you said waffles over pancakes. You know, I like them both. <laughs> well, we've been playing some highlights, and one of my favorite times is when we've had the, the young people on, and there's a, a couple examples of this. We had actually some young people that came here into the studio and recorded with us. Uh, also, we had some recordings from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton School and the St. Joseph Campus of Mishawaka Catholic. And so I thought we'd maybe play a few clips from those uh, kind of question and answers with the, the young people. What is your favorite thing to do in your job as bishop? Oh, Ellen, I, I enjoy being bishop a lot, but I'd say really ordaining, celebrating the sacrament of holy orders. It brings so much joy to be God's instrument in, in, uh, in making new priests um, or new deacons for that matter. There's so many things I enjoy. I enjoy being out in the parishes, celebrating all the sacraments, but I would say ordination is definitely on the top of my list. Hi, I'm Pete Allen, and my grade is third grade. And my questions are that, is it nervous to be in front of all that people? And, like, do you remember everything you say? Oh, thank you, Pete. You know what? I don't get nervous in front of all the people. When I was in high school, I would get nervous sometimes in public speaking. But... I think by the time I got to college and, and all that, I kind of overcame that nervousness. So now I'm not nervous at all in front of all, a lot of people. But you know, Pete, also you asked if I remember everything I say, like at, in homilies and stuff. No, I remember. <laughs> I think sometimes I forget, but um, you know, but I remember some. Yeah, I usually remember the important points. Do you usually memorize your homilies or? Do you write them ahead of time and read them or kind of deliver some off the cuff? Or It depends. Okay. Uh, sometimes I have a written text. But when I do have a written text, I'm not like bound to it. You uh -huh. know, I have it in front of me. It kind of gives me some extra confidence so I don't get off track. Other times I don't use a text at all. Or sometimes I'll just have a key, few key talking points like an outline. It often depends on the congregation and the type of mass it is. Like let's say I'm doing a big chrismas or something i'll have a text you yeah. know i want that to be you know but other times if i'm having masses at some of our schools and that i know w well what i want to say but i don't have a written text do you get nervous if you're addressing the bishops at a usccb conference Pro you know that's good i probably would yeah <laughs> yeah i think a little nervous the hardest group to preach to are your peers right i i mean even from early on you know when I had to give a talk or or preach to to priests, that would probably bring a little anxiety, and I think I'd have some of that too, a little bit when I get up and to my brother bishops. Yeah. My name is Elizabeth Gill. I am in fifth grade, and I go to Saint Joseph Parish. My question is: How old were you when you first thought about becoming a priest? Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. I think I was about 12 years old. I remember I was in seventh grade, and that was the year that I received the Sacrament of Confirmation. And it was shortly after I was confirmed that the idea came to me that maybe God was calling me to give my life to him as a priest, 
to serve the church as a priest. So it's never too early to think about your vocation. For me, it was it was seventh grade. So again, that was from our visit from some of our youth and then also the St. Nicholas episode. And it's just so fun. I, the kids have such great questions. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. No, it was great. I enjoyed listening to that again. Yeah. Well, what do you think of the pecan waffles or the, the pecan pancakes here? I'm, I'm, I'm getting full. They were say, very good. Halfway, halfway, halfway there, there to the finish oh, line. Oh my goodness. So Kyle, are we going to go out for a run after this to run off these calories? Yeah. We're like, we can play some tennis. Okay. I'm horrible at tennis, so. Oh, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of St. Nicholas Day, uh, we had a really probably the the story that stands out to me the most in the past 99 episodes of Truth and Charity. We had a story about St. Nicholas that I will never forget, and it's such an amazing story. People are going to have to stick around for it. It's going to come up with our next breakfast flavor. And if you have any questions for Bishop or your kids have any questions for Bishop, you can go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. You can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And it could be answered on a future episode of Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop, and this is the 100th episode of Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. And so to celebrate, we're doing a little bit of a a flavor of the week. This is a a weekly thing that I do on the morning show with our priests and thought we could uh, celebrate with some breakfast food and also share some of the highlights. So we've done a blueberry topping on a waffle. We did a pecan pancake. And now we've got a pecan caramel waffle. Oh, my goodness. So there's pecans in the waffle, pecans on the waffle, and then there's a caramel topping. Of course, we also still have butter and syrup if you care to. That that (laughs) really is good. But, uh, yeah, we probably should have told you not to have any breakfast breakfast this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that looks delicious. That's oh, this okay. is this is thick. This is like caramel apple. Yeah. Like a caramel-covered apple. So, Bishop, one of the stories that you told was about, uh, this is our, actually our first St. Nicholas episode. It was December 6th, 2017, and you told what I still think is one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. I was working in, this is my first summer as a, seminarian in Rome, and I, I had a summer job at the heel of the boot of Italy. Uh-huh. And it was great because no one spoke English, so I was really immersed in okay. Italian. But anyhow, after towards the end of the summer, a buddy of mine, another seminarian, we were going to backpack through Europe on a Eurail pass. And we were headed, actually, we were over in Greece where I visited relatives, but we got off the boat and we were planning on going on this train all the way up to Austria. And after we got on the train, which was in Brindisi, I had this strong urge, this strong thing, get off the train in Bari to visit the Basilica of St. Nicholas and pray at his tomb. Now, this messed up our schedule. But I said to my friend, I said, you know, I don't know. I feel like we got to get off this train and go pray at the tomb of St. Nicholas. And I was really pretty organized, so it messed up the 
the plan because we did it. Yeah. And had to find a place, you know, youth hostel or whatever to stay that night and get on the train the next day and continue back up to Austria. Well, the next morning when I got up, I saw the news. The train we were on had been bombed and 80 some people killed. Um, no. And the train, when it had um, stopped in Bologna on its way up, that's when it was attacked. But, you know, there was some terrorism going on back then. This was 1980. And it was a fascist group who did it. So, I mean, I was just so saddened that that happened, that terrible mm -hmm. loss of life. But then I always think, why did, why did I get off the train? You know, yeah. I feel, was it my guardian angel? Was it, because it was just very odd that, that I would do that. And often when I think of St. Nicholas, I think about that because my friend and I could have been killed, mm -hmm. you know, um, with all the other innocent people. So, I mean, that's a true story that always stays with me that um, it just doesn't, what would I say, humanly make sense. You yeah. know, like I wouldn't have, what gave me that urge to, to get off that train and go to, to St. Nicholas Basilica. So, you know, these things are mysteries in our life. Yeah. I don't think it was a mere coincidence. I mm -hmm. really don't. And I, of course, remember all those innocent people who lost their lives in that attack. So such an amazing story. And I know several people after hearing it were so amazed by it. Did you recently have dinner with yeah. the seminarian? Yeah, my friend who I hadn't seen in like 20 years that we went on that, that URL together and got off the train. Yeah, His nephew just graduated from Notre Dame. So he <laughs> called me a few days before that and said he was coming with the family. So after the Notre Dame commencement mass, we went out to dinner. And uh, during the dinner, he brought up the St. Nicholas event uh -huh. and uh, had the same exact recollection of what happened and uh, shared it with his family that was there. So, so yeah, I hadn't seen him in 20 years. And, and yet when we got together, it's interesting how that was one of the first things we talked about. Yeah. Is it something that you think about very often? No, I, I don't. I, I mean, every now and then, uh, usually on the feast of St. Nicholas, or uh, sometimes someone will have heard this on the radio or, and will mention it, uh, you know, our life goes on, but it's uh, something that will always remain kind of a, a mystery of grace in my life. Yeah. It's one of those things that such a, a simple everyday decision that we make, do I do this or do I do that? Do I eat this or do I eat that? Do, do I get on the train or off the train? Those little decisions that sometimes are meaningless. It doesn't really matter you know, if we have one brand of cereal versus another, you know but sometimes can have huge consequences and can affect our future forever. And it makes me think, we talk about discernment and prayer and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And usually we think of this with big, important things, but also it's something we should constantly be doing, even in the little things, because we never know how those little decisions might affect ourselves or somebody else. You know, I think that's really important, Kyle. I think every day, it's in the ordinary events of life that really we can grow in the Lord. And um, I mean, St. Therese, the little flower, certainly teaches us this, hmm. uh, the way to holiness. It's not through extraordinary uh, kinds of 
experiences. It's really in the ordinary, everyday events of our life, and it's all about love. Um, it's it's trying each day to live in Christ's love and to share that love with others. That's how one becomes a saint. That's how one grows in holiness. And I think sometimes, you know, it's a good way to, when one gets up in the morning, to to kind of make that resolution and ask for God's grace, Lord, help me to grow in holiness today. And it's it's in simple things. It's, it's in just saying a kind word to uh, a stranger or doing a little act of charity or forgiving someone or uh, being patient when maybe our natural inclination would be to get angry. Hmm. I mean, it's in the little things. Um, and, and of course, we need the Lord's grace. Prayer really helps us, especially beginning the day with prayer and with that resolution to, to try to live as a good, faithful disciple of Jesus. Do you think that there was something that you were doing either in the moment or prior to the moment of prayer or reflecting that made you receptive to not hearing a voice necessarily, but the prompting, I guess, of the Holy Spirit? You mean in the St. Nicholas incident? You know, it's hard for me to remember it so long ago. All I do remember is it was extremely unusual. Uh In other words, like it wasn't something that we were discerning about. um, uh, Well, no, we had already made the plan. I mean, we were going to be on an overnight train to Austria. So it wasn't up in the air. It wasn't like, oh, what are we going to do today? No, it was already set. Uh So what happened is as soon as we got in the train and the train started, that I had this inner urge to get off in Bari. I mean, I don't know where that came from. It wasn't something that I was thinking about. It wasn't something up in the air. This came out of nowhere. So I think there are these surprise moments of grace that can happen. Um, I don't think they happen very often. I mean, I can't think of other times where that's happened. But this was, for me, this was one of those extraordinary movements of God's grace. But I imagine praying that we're open to that in the moment, you know, the kind of anticipatory prayers and reflection and quiet scripture reading to to say that I'm open to God's promptings and praying for that guidance when the moment would strike is a great way to kind of set us up for success. And you know what else I think this reminds me of, Kyle, is that when we, you know, kind of have a program of life for our day where we're kind of organized about what we're mm. going to do and, you know, meetings or or whatever um, engagements that we have. I think what's important is to be open to those spontaneous things because, you know, sometimes it's in the interruptions that come, uh, that come our way, that God's grace can be at work. For example, for a priest being very busy, appointments, meetings, et cetera, and then getting interrupted by someone who, you know, wants to go to confession or has a problem that's come up in their life and they need, they want to talk. And you might have your day organized, but we need to be open to these interruptions uh-huh. because it can be in the interruptions that the Lord can work. And and by being open to people and their needs, even if it's an inconvenience to us in our own schedule, that's a way to grow in holiness. And yeah. I think even, I'm talking about life of a priest, I would say also 
married people, you know, you know, from your own experience, you might be wanting to sit down and get some work done. And your one of your kids comes and wants you to play a game with them or, yeah. or says, daddy, you know, uh, you know, and you, you could kind of say, oh, I got to get this done. But kind of giving up your work a little bit and spending time with your child, that's so much more important often. You know, it is a sacrifice, but yeah. at the same time, that's your vocation. Yeah. And and that's a way to grow in holiness as a husband and father, to kind of be open to the interruptions that come from your kids. Yeah. If you have any questions for Bishop, you can go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop, call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And coming up, we've got one more breakfast flavor. We have pancakes with fresh blueberry topping and we have a clip of bishop talking about the gospel of john coming up right here on truth and charity with bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by notre dame federal credit union Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here celebrating our 100th episode of Truth and Charity. And to do that, we're experimenting and indulging with different flavors of breakfast foods. We've done waffles and pancakes, and now we're doing a pancake with fresh blueberry topping. And the first one that we had, the waffle, was like a, a blueberry... Uh, sauce. S- spread sauce. sauce. Yeah, 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 spread. So this is actual... Uh, oh, real blueberries. Straight up blueberries. Oh, and blueberries in the pancake as well. Oh, wow. All That's right. great. Well, one of the things that we, looking back at the, the previous 99 episodes of Truth and Charity and kind of asking around people's favorites, we've got a lot of feedback that people enjoy it when you walk through scripture and kind of give us a little breakdown of whether it be a upcoming gospel or something particular to the liturgical season. And... Also, it seems like it's a gift that you have of, of teaching and sharing and breaking down scripture. The April 24th, 2019 episode was during the Easter octave, and you talked about the Easter Sunday gospel, which was from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9, and it was, just, it was great to hear about your love of John's gospel, John the apostle, and talking a little bit about Lexio Divina. I love John's gospel. There's so much meaning and theology um, in John's gospel. And, and every year on Easter Sunday, we hear John's account of Mary Magdalene coming to the tomb on the first day of the week. So, yeah, I'd be happy to uh, reflect with, with you and our listeners on this gospel. You know, Lexio Divina, prayerful meditation on the scriptures, is a great way to enter into the depths of the biblical message and story. So I try to maybe think of this a little bit as a a Lexio Divina. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes there's little details that we don't even notice. We've heard this gospel so many times, but but then there's a detail that might strike us when we're praying. So I'll try to do that with you now. Great. That gospel passage begins by saying, on the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark. Hmm. So we can imagine this. Mary Magdalene, as we know, was there at the crucifixion. She was one of Jesus' disciples from Galilee. She came from a town called Magdala, which is a town that was really a fishing village on the west shore of the Sea of Galilee. So she was one of our Lord's faithful disciples. And St. John tells us that 
she came to the tomb while it was still dark. And you can think about that. She herself was in spiritual darkness. Yes, it was dark outside, but why would why would St. John mention that? I think it is to show her, her sadness, her grief, really her lack of hope. Mm-hmm. She was in darkness, like, like we can be in spiritual darkness sometimes, where because of some suffering or loss of a loved one, that we're kind of feel like we're in darkness. So Mary Magdalene was in darkness, and, and she went to the tomb. We can think, well, why did she go? She went to mourn. I mean, she loved Jesus. I don't think she was expecting him to rise from the dead. There's no indication that she went to the tomb with the idea that Jesus had risen. Yeah. So she was really going there to mourn. Kind of like we do when we go to visit the graves of our loved ones in cemeteries. Sure. St. John tells us that Mary Magdalene saw the stone removed from the tomb. She didn't go in. Of course, if she did, it would have been dark. She wouldn't have been able to see anything. But he says that she saw the stone removed from the tomb. So what did she do? It says she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. We know that's St. John himself. Mm -hmm. And she told them, and this is the quote, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So she was caught off guard. She ran to Peter and John to tell them this, that they've taken the Lord from the tomb. And notice she said, we don't know where they put him, which makes me think that there were other women with her. Because when you read the accounts of the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it mentions other women who went with her to the tomb. So even though John doesn't mention these other women, the fact that she said, we don't know where they put him, seems to suggest that there were other women Mm -hmm. with her. What does she think? She thinks the corpse was stolen. She said, they've taken the Lord from the tomb. And when we read Matthew's gospel, you know, Matthew reports the rumor of a grave robbery that was circulated to explain why the tomb was empty. Right. So that's what Mary... Magdalene's thinking someone stole the body. Then you continue reading the gospel and it says, so Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and (laughs) arrived at the tomb first. So John was the the more athletic of the two. That's why I chose him as my confirmation. Yeah, because <laughs> he's uh, faster than Peter. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting to think you have Peter, who's the leader of the apostles. And then you have John, who I always think is Jesus's best friend and our Lord's great love for John. And so they're both, you can just imagine this, they're both running to the tomb to investigate what mm-hmm. happened. They were wondering, you know, was the body stolen? You know, they were not expecting the resurrection. So John arrived first. Well, he was younger, (laughs) so he was probably in better physical shape. But I think there's something more significant. It it says the other, uh, when it mentions St. John, it, it speaks of him always as the beloved disciple. So we can think of how 
love speeds him on his way to Jesus. Hmm. He arrives before Peter the rock. You know, love, John the beloved. In any event, when they got there, it says that John bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. By this time, I guess the sun had started to rise because he was able to see the burial cloths, but he didn't go in. He waited for Peter to arrive. Right. So he's kind of deferring to Peter, the leader. Mm -hmm. It says when Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb, Peter, and saw the burial cloths there. John had seen them. Now Peter sees the burial cloths. And it said that Peter also saw the cloth that had covered Jesus's head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Well, first of all, when you think about this, the fact that the burial cloths were there refutes the, the robbery thesis. If they were grave robbers, they wouldn't have unwrapped the body before stealing it. Hmm. You know, remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the burial cloths still wrapped around him right. when Lazarus came out. But here it's different with Jesus. Jesus isn't there. And he's not bound by the grave cloths or the mm -hmm. face cloth. So there was no need for anyone to unbind him. Remember when he raised Lazarus, he, he said, unbind him, you know, take the cloths off him. So this is radically different because Lazarus was resuscitated to a mortal life. Lazarus would die again. But Jesus' resurrection isn't a resuscitation of a corpse. Mm -hmm. It's God raising and transforming him to an immortal life, a glorified body. He would not die again. There would be no more death. When Peter arrived, of course, he, he saw the burial cloth. And notice this idea of seeing the cloth that had covered the head of Jesus, and it was rolled up in a separate place. This is another proof that it's not a robbery. The looters wouldn't take the trouble to neatly roll it up, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and of course, God is the agent of the resurrection. God acted. The Father raised Jesus. God removed the stone. God rolled up the headcloth. So then we continue reading. Then the other disciple also went in. That's John the one who arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. That's a pretty profound statement. What did he believe? He believed that God had acted. He began to have this faith that somehow Jesus triumphed over death. Hmm. He didn't, I don't think he understood fully yet, because Jesus, the risen Jesus had not yet appeared, but he believed. He believed Jesus was alive. Somehow, death was overcome. You know, I think perhaps he was still a little bit baffled, but the evangelist says he believed. He saw and believed. And then the gospel ends with these words. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. 
So he didn't fully understand. He believed, but he didn't yet fully understand. Hmm. When you think of, okay, well, what scripture are they referring to? Well, there's various scripture passages in the Old Testament that point to the resurrection of the dead. One I think that is most um, relevant would be Psalm 16, where the psalmist prays to God, you will not abandon my soul to shale, the place of death. So as time goes on then, uh, the Holy Spirit will lead the disciples to understand, mm -hmm. to grasp what they didn't yet fully understand, that uh, in the plan of God, foreshadowed by in Scripture, Jesus had to rise from the dead. All right. Well, this has been great. We had some great breakfast food and it's great to celebrate 100 episodes of Truth and Charity. Thank you so much for your dedication to this show and, and being able to share with all of us listening throughout the diocese and throughout the, the world, really. There's people that stream from all over the country and, and all over the world. So thank you so much. Could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Kyle. Join Bishop and Kyle next week for another new episode of Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.